intersection of entertainment, culture, um, technology, and sports. And it's actually that uh, intersection that really brought this panel together today. Um, over the past decade, you know, the world of sports has really it's evolved with emerging tech and disruptive brands and just an abundance of content. And they, these developments have actually led to enable athletes to become more accessible and kind of given rise to this modern day athlete. Athletes are more than just the sports they play. They're entrepreneurs, they're creators, they're influencers, um, innovators. And we just wanted to talk about some of those opportunities that have that do arise because of this intersection. So that's enough out of me. Um, what I really want to do <laughs> is I want to introduce this panel of experts who are also athletes as well. Um, Jasmine Mayetta, she's a dynamic entrepreneur specializing in connecting artists and athletes for round 21. She's also a former basketball player and coach. And you developed passion for sports at a young age? Yep. Uh, Andrew Hawkins, a.k.a. Hawk, we can all call him that, right? Because yeah, we're all friends. Hawk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's have some energy. Woo! <laughs> um, a former NFL player uh, turned visionary entrepreneur who's pioneering the use of virtual reality in sports gaming, excited about your product that you have. And he had a seven-year NFL career, which is impressive. Um, but also, you've had a lot of success off the field. So thanks for being here, Hawk. And then Lindsay Onsets. Don't let her fool you. She's dabbled in sports. She played basketball in high school. Still plays now. She can still sitting get next to a professional NFL athlete. I'm definitely <laughs> the athlete with like the lowercase a on this panel, but yeah. alas. Yeah. Um, but no, a, a highly accomplished sports industry executive with um, a deep understanding of athlete branding and marketing. So. Thank you guys for being here. Um, you know, I just I wanted to start this conversation off with a, a question for everyone. Um, you know, we're talking about athletes. They are playing an increasingly significant role in shaping a company's culture. And marketers, product developers, they highly value the reach and influence that athletes have. So the question, and we can start with you, Jasmine, is just what exactly is the role of athletes in shaping your company's culture? Um, well, thank you, and thanks, everybody, for choosing to be here. You had a lot of places you could be. The role that athletes play in shaping Round 21, I think, has to be answered by starting with why, why do athletes matter to Round 21? And for me, athletes help us all believe that anything is possible, whether you've played, whether you've watched, whether you've just simply like been associated with, you know, I talk to a lot of people wearing Dodgers hats and they've never gone to a baseball game, but they live in LA, right? This idea of an athlete makes you believe that anything is possible. And so we at Round 21 are building a new way to think about sports as a canvas for saying something about who you are that goes beyond the sneaker. So as a culture, we need to think about things that have no blueprint using physical sporting goods, digital goods, experiences all around the community of sports as a new way to come together needs to have a truly ambitious blue sky approach and athletes help us continue to stay motivated and believe in the impossible. And then of course they personify our brand, which is an incredible you know, asset to have when 
a brand is just a logo or it's just a set of ideas to have something personified really brings deeper meaning and so we choose we curate the athletes we work with in order to help establish the values behind the brand as well that's awesome and hockey you have a different perspective being an you know yeah. an athlete and launching a product that has athletes in it so yeah. yeah so i mean for us our whole value proposition is the athlete perspective so status pro i mean we make um VR and AR uh, software and training and gaming, and everything is from the eyes of the athlete, right? And we feel like that's a value proposition, not only as a company, because of you know my background, my co-founder was a former Division I quarterback as well, but even when you look at the greater and larger sports ecosystem, that's a perspective that we felt was an opportunity. It was the thing that we knew best, was this perspective of being on the field, and that's somewhere, as a, starting as a sports fan, that's where we always wanted to go. Every sports fan wants to feel what it's like to be their heroes and be on the field, on the court, on the diamond, or what have you. And it is ingrained in everything we do at Status Pro, so much so that 59% of our employees are former college or above athletes because we're like, we can't be the experts unless we truly had the experience um, to build a moat around this perspective that you know, we think is an opportunity in our product and even beyond. I would say also athletes just exemplify so many things that you want your company to represent, you know, whether it's teamwork or excellence on or off the field and, and sort of in the boardroom and out. And just out of curiosity, how many of you all are former athletes, even if it's a lowercase a like mine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how many of you guys work in sports right now? So I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, working in sports, I love it because there's, uh, the industry tends to attract a certain type of person, oftentimes former athletes, who have that competitiveness, who understand teamwork, who really want to be great. And so I think when you all of a sudden then add that athletic component to maybe a non-athletic industry, that's where I really see the, the magic happen. At One Team Partners, we get to work with eight different players associations, eight unions, you know, similar to the NFLPA. Uh, same thing for the union for the WNBA, MLS, National Women's Soccer League, uh, and, and so on. And so it's, what's really fun is to be able to maximize kind of the power of the collective. So you can work with one athlete, you know, but much like our industries and probably your, uh, your offices, when you have multiple athletes, there's great different perspectives, like you were saying, Hawk, you know, and really being able to leverage all of that competitiveness, teamwork, and drive to be, drive to be excellent. That's awesome. Um, you know, that kind of leads me into this, this next section. Um, you know, when you think about professional athletes and access, it kind of sometimes seems like an unattainable, but when you have industries moving very fast, like VR, and you have startups and disruptive brands, um, how do you get that access and, and what does it mean? Um, so, Jasmine, I know you participated. We do, um, the NFLPA does a pitch day event where we give startups a platform to pitch, and she actually pitched in 2021 and won. So, congratulations to you for that. Yep. She was also on Shark Tank, um, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just, I thought, um, you know, if you could share with us just why it was important for you to compete and, you know, win access to NFL players and their, you know, marketing, and then just what strategies um, you've employed to integrate the athletes' rights in your product. Yeah, so the NFLPA startup pitch competition at Super Bowl is a big deal for everybody involved, actually. Um, it gives uh, somebody like me, who was about nine months into my startup, disproportionate opportunity that sometimes takes a decade to get the opportunity to work with the 
players within the NFL from Mahomes, Brady, Gronk, OBJ, Derrick Henry, I mean, Russell Wilson from the get was an incredible asset for round 21. We were able to save time, resources, and also be able to, for us, bring a new form and format of their story to life on an expanded canvas, right? So the sneaker has often been the thing that players are excited about that says something about who they are. There's so much more to the sports lifestyle, and for football players in particular, the cleat, my cause, my cleat are incredible platforms, mm -hmm. but what about the rest of the season? And what about the rest of the lifestyle? What about the rest of their story? And so we, and I'm seeing Carrie in the audience, like have this incredible <laughs> network at the NFLPA now who understands that we're trying to expand, like you are, the vantage point of the athlete and help expand their story in new ways for fans to engage with them. And we do that with physical goods and experiences. And just from the perspective of the PA being progressive and modern and supportive, I think opened our eyes to the opportunity with the WNBPA and the US Women's National Players Association. So the one team partners in NFLPA gave us this new opportunity to really build with players and that access for us was an incredible part of our origin story and we continue to build with you even today. Yeah, no thanks for that and what you, what you do is truly unique um, and it's cool and I think something that the players will be proud of as well which I think is really important when you are making those connections. Um, but you were really intentional about how you selected um, the athletes that you did to go to market with because you have to, you have to be like, when you're a startup. So I, could you expand a little bit on how you did that? Yeah, so we always want to represent, one, a collect, a, the multicultural diaspora of athletes in any sport or any industry that we participate in. So that was number one. Two was the artists. So in the case of the physical collectible collection that we dropped, we partnered with Dwight White, a Chicago-based black artist who has this incredible illustrative style that I thought would help represent the player's image in a way that was consistent with both his work but also the players themselves. And then from our perspective, we wanted to have those, of course, who are icons in the making, right? Derrick Henry, those who are bona fide like legends and Hall of Famers already, Tom Brady and, and Mahomes. And then those who are still building their legacy. So OBJ didn't play, I don't think he played a down this season, but he was one of the athletes that we chose because we wanted to make sure that his fans knew that he's building his image in a way that is going to be driven by him, not by the press or the league. It's going to be something that is a part of the fans who already know who he is. We're going to make sure that we provide some sort of access to him even when he's not on the field. And then Russell Wilson who went to the Broncos, but from a Seattle Seahawks based fan, there's an untouchable impact and imprint that he's had on, on that city. And so that was really the curation of the athletes and why we wanted to represent this collective when other brands typically go for, I mean, I've worked at Under Armour for six years and other brands in sports, like there's this e-score e and they have other you know metrics that are really driven by audience growth when there's so many more vectors to think about the right athlete for your brand and the mission and the moment and we took advantage of that in partnership with your team. Yeah, that's great. Um, Hockey mentioned that you, know, you also have athletes that are part of your team, they're part of your staff, and um, you know, you're also an entrepreneur. What, um, how could both startups, established brands gain from partnering with athletes, and what are some potential hurdles to maybe consider when they're looking to work with them and, and 
a variety of ways, I guess. Yeah. So there's so many, there's so many benefits. And I think, like, uh, to your point, just, you know, working with the NFLPA, the beauty of it is there's 1,800 active NFL players, right? And that allows you as a brand or a company to find the personality or the interests that align with you. Because to her point, it's not about just a big name. It's not about, oh, I've seen this person. That person should communicate my company. It's about truly having someone who, you know, feels authentic to your brand. And I know that feels cliche, but it's very important. Um, I was talking earlier today about how we chose our first cover athlete, which was Lamar Jackson, at a time when, you know, other companies will say we're having a hard time signing him because he is a, he is a person that only moves by things he is truly interested in. And we had some early conversations that we hit it off with, and we had him and a couple other options that on the surface at the time would have made more sense. And most companies would have said, oh, this person has a bigger reach, or this person has this kind of a persona that matches. But I think the beauty of what Lamar provided us was that, um, and the reason we went with him, even in the face of some of those decisions, was because there was a true interest, there was a true rapport, there was a true representation of what we wanted to stand for as a company, right? We were bringing sports gaming in a way that it had never been brought before. And it was a new era, it was a new perspective. And we thought that, you know, if Lamar was successful, because this is early at the time, before the Lamar Jackson we know today, that it would be perfectly communicate um, what he stood for as well, which was bringing in a new, a new way to play the quarterback position that's always been done. And so working with the players, working with the PA, that's the opportunity it provided us. It's because we now had this smorgasbord of athlete personas mm -hmm. to find the exact one that matched the communication we wanted to, to send forward as a company. That's awesome. Did anybody see Stefan Diggs' um, session earlier in the week? He, thought, he talked a lot about authenticity, and it's not a, a new conversation mm -hmm. by any mean, but I by any means, but I think that um, it's something that even more and more athletes, that's what, you know, you yeah. have to appeal to them on that level. So um, appreciate that. And actually, I think that might just segue into um, Lindsay, just, you know, that is really important. So how can um, an athlete's personal brand and values contribute to a company's brand identity? Yeah, I think you, you have to really dig in and, and understand, and that's such a great example, you know, what the player uh, cares about and what the player's passionate about and make sure it matches. I mean, it's, I'd say it's like dating, you know, you're not going to just get married based on uh, somebody's Instagram following. And if you are, I'll judge you, but that's fine, you know. Uh, and so making sure that it's somebody that you're going to, I guess kind of like marriage, you know, be, uh, be able to weather the tough times because we've all seen those examples of brands that have matched up with athletes and then all of a sudden the athlete doesn't agree with the brand politically or uh, maybe something didn't go so well off the field, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it can be a difficult, difficult situation. So I think having those uh, really in-depth conversations, making sure it's a match, you know, um, is, is critical. But also, you mentioned, you used the word smorgasbord, which I've always struggled to say. Um, but I think that's sort of a really unique opportunity as well. Oftentimes, it's like, okay, if only I could get Steph Curry, you know, to, to rep my brand. And, and that's a fantastic choice. And he's an you know, amazing human being. But what if you got multiple athletes? So you guys may have heard from Patrick um, Campion from Sleep Number and another panel too. And I love what Sleep Number's done in terms of having a whole roster of athletes. So they have everybody from Dak Prescott, which obviously brings a tremendous amount of just pure celebrity reach, you know, but they also partnered with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who was a doctor, you know, and who better to rep the benefits of a bed and sleep science than an actual doctor. And so I think the, if you have the ability to view the 
say it, smorgasbord, <laughs> the, uh, you know, and, and put together a roster of athletes, maybe some of whom are a bit less well-known, you know, but then gives you true that, that power of the collective and each of their audiences. And some of those, um, those partnerships, I've, I think, have been really, really effective. Like Ally, Ally's been doing a lot in the women's space, and they've partnered with the NWSL on the league side, but they also partnered with the PA, you know, because they realized that they wanted to directly impact the athletes, and if they did that, then those athletes would be tremendous advocates for mm. their brand, and that's absolutely played out in, in practice. So they, they found something they cared about, you know, whether it's a sleep number or whether it's Ally, and then found the right set of athletes to help them tell that story. So um, I love that about don't marry somebody for their Instagram followings. I probably would not have married my husband. Um, but, um, you know, I, this just, I'm kind of skipping around, but I, um, you know, Hawk, from your point of view, um, you know, what are some of those things that, that companies can do to kind of make that fit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say it's a lot of what Lindsay talked about, um, and Jasmine as well, and I think, we're in this, this age of, of sports and um, we'll call it advertising through, through athletes or partnerships where, you know, I think in the past it was, okay, you had this many yards or you were this successful on the field and that creates the opportunity where I think now, like, it's, it's not predicated. When you talk about OBJ, OBJ is one of the most transcendent football players we've ever seen because he has a brand that yes, he was incredible on the field and that may have been the kicking off point, but he has a brand that spans well beyond what he does on the field. I, and I would argue now to her point is like, he didn't play it down this year, but if you polled NFL fans, who are, the, who are the most transcendent athletes in the NFL or the ones you, you know of or that you listen to or have the most impact, OBJ would still be at the top of that list. And that's one example, um, whereas there's other athletes who, again, I, I was not, uh, pro bowler. I was not a Super Bowl winner. I played for the Browns. That'll tell you exactly <laughs> what my reach is, but go Browns at the same time. Um, but in that, you know, I was able to kind of showcase my personality, what kind of person I was, the things I were interested in. I was a family man. I enjoyed, you know, the funny side of sports and all those things. And that created opportunities. And it also created opportunities with brands because it was, oh man, this is, some, this is somebody who has a profile um, or an offering that just bodes well with the company. So you have to be able to look at it beyond the traditional sense of this person's good at this sport. That may be a part of your equation, um, but it would be very short-sighted not to consider all the factors and understand the real value you're gonna get is the athlete off the field. And luckily, again, there's a plethora of athletes to choose from. Can I interject something? You can absolutely okay. interject. So in the green room, we were making small talk and I asked Hawk about you know, something in his life that's important to him, and you mentioned a watch. Mm -hmm. And I actually was like, a watch brand could have really taken advantage of that insight when you were playing, but they have to ask. Yes. So as you guys are managing brands and you're building businesses, asking the questions that are potentially not as obvious around the human behind the player. I mean, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, that would have been amazing. And then from our perspective, with the art, we tend to hide inside, like there's Joker right here. Well, that's because in the locker room, OBJ is known as a Joker, and then there's story behind that. So mm -hmm. having discovery moments with the athletes that you work with and allowing the consumer and the experience with that, as a fan, that experience unfold is something that you have to first understand the athlete through before you can allow mm -hmm. that to happen. And 
No, okay. and we're living in such a time where athletes have the opportunity to share all of that via social yes. media, you know, in a way that before it was so carefully curated by, you know, substantial broadcasters in terms of what they said and you, all you got was the post-game interview. And I think that's what's been really fun to see athletes come alive and share so many of their passions. You know, it's something um, that one team's been working on with the NFLPA, a platform called Athlete And, you know, focusing on what's, what's your and. And everybody in this room has an and. You know, yes, you work at X, but you're also a chef or a foodie or a stamp collector or, you know, I can go on and on and on. And, and it's uh, so impressive. You know, I mean, we, I think, are often so in awe of what athletes do on the field. Mm -hmm. But what they do off the field is oftentimes just as impressive because if you're that good at one thing, then chances are you're probably good at another five or six, you know, and, and whatever, whatever that may be, you know, whether it's photography or um, you'll, you guys will hear from Brennan Scarlett later, you know, who's started his own creative company, you know, uh, Scarlet Creative, and a tremendous, uh, tremendous creative mind in addition to, to being a football player. And so it, it's almost easier. There's certainly a lot of data out there and a lot of information yeah. to take in, but it's really easy to, to help. Uh, well, easy is probably not the right word. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, if, if you want to find that, that match and learn more about your athletes, it's all right there. You know, and, and what an opportunity for athletes as well. And I think fans feel that. I, f I feel like consumers feel that. They feel, you know, to your point about authenticity, probably being used a lot, but they do feel that because it's a sophisticated market. They see so much. It's so easy. Think about it as you scroll, you know, your social media, and you, the immediately when you see an advertisement, your finger goes faster, right? Because it, it can't wait to go to the next thing. And so, you know, we're in an age now that is an age of access through technology. Sports started as, you know, you're able to go there in person, Thousands of years of sporting events. Radio allowed you to listen to a game and get your information in real time. Television allowed you to be at the game no matter where you were at. Then there were sports gaming, and now it's social media. And now we can hear directly from athletes. We can hear directly when Lamar Jackson has an injury and he wants to get information out, or when something's going on with Naomi Osaka, she can come out directly and tell you exactly what's going on. There's no secondhand source. And in this information age of access, that allows a deeper connection between the fans and the athletes, and that's an opportunity because now it's not just about, you know, the, the MLB or the NBA or the league. It's also what about this other perspective? And if you look at the statistics, there are more player-first fans now than there has ever been, mm -hmm. and that's going to continue to rise because there's more and more access and more and more opportunities to say, oh, wow, you grew up like this? I grew up like this. You're mm -hmm. interested in, in, in cooking? I'm interested in cooking. And it creates a deeper connection that I think brands and companies can really take advantage of. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing that, like you said, it's, it's become this player-centric model as opposed to just the team-centric. Um, my husband's a big Steelers fan, and so we had the, the discussion when we were having our kids. Some people talk about their religion they're going to raise them. We talked about, like, they're going to be all Pittsburgh teams. <laughs> like, that's how we're raising our children. But, like, I have a Kyler Murray shirt because he does yoga, and I do yoga, and I love him, and he's great. And, you know, there's just, you find yeah. these little attributes that are relatable, and you just want to root for them to do well. He was also on my fantasy football team. But, <laughs> um, but I loved that you, uh, Lindsay, that you brought up to the, uh, the athlete and piece of it because, you know, from our perspective, we want the players to find those ands and really foster those, their, their, their own brands, right? Um, so I brought some fun facts just to keep mm -hmm. things interesting. Uh, I had our player services team pull some data for me just 
looking at the intersection of South by Southwest. Um, so 30% of NFL players consider themselves entrepreneurs. 56% consider themselves athletes and gamers. So it's good for you to know, a lot of gamers Absolutely. out there. <laughs> um, 39% are involved in the fashion industry, which probably isn't too surprising, but. Um, and then, I don't know why chefs came up multiple times here, but it's great because I have a stat on chefs. 26% are pursuing their talents as chefs, which is really interesting. And I mean, there's so much more, obviously, that players could be. Um, so I have to ask you, Hawk, did you have an ant when you were playing? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, businessman was yep. kind of always how I saw myself. I, th I thought the NFL was such an incredible opportunity. My original goal was to play one game in the NFL. And so then if I went you know, for a job interview, and all things were equal between me and another candidate that hopefully that person was an NFL fan and they'd be like, oh, but he played in the NFL, I'll give him the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then when it was like game two, I'm like, oh man, what do I do now? And so I just kind of kept doing it. So I think in my off seasons, I mean, I interned it uninterrupted, I interned it uh, Under Armour and so on and so forth just to put myself in position for when that carpet was ripped from underneath me and I think it lasted longer than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. So um, are you seeing now like, that this change and are, are guys coming to you and talking to you about that? that? That is like I think the coolest part about where things are and that is the opportunity because before it was like oh you know if I was doing an internship in the offseason people would look at me crazy and they're like oh but you're a starting receiver why are you doing this um, or it was like oh man I, I'm making these investments and it's like oh we're so focused here and it's, it's not a matter of like losing any focus but I think now whereas before it did seem unique for someone to be focused on business and investment off the field. And I think now it's the opposite. That if it's like, oh, okay, you're a big time superstar, but what, are, what else are you doing? And if you don't have anything else, then people kind of look at you with a raised eyebrow of like, oh man, you're really missing out on big opportunities here. Um, so that's been a cool transition of just, again, athletes seeing themselves as entrepreneurs, as businessmen, and also just you know, looking for the opportunity to make the most of you know, their, their careers, which we all know the statistics and the average time that they actually last. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, you're working across multiple properties, um, a lot of women's sports, and it's Women's History Month, so we should all give a round of applause for women's sports. Yeah. Because <laughs> but um, I, uh, are you seeing the same is true across, you know, all athletes? I know we kind of talked a little bit about players, but yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, female athletes, uh, because the payouts aren't as big, you know, have always been perhaps uh, focused on what else is going to happen. You know, whether it's playing overseas or uh, doing something else during the off season, you know, just to just to supplement. Uh, and now it's great to see the the pay equity. Uh, or the, the equity gap close a little bit on, on the pay side, especially with the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, PA on the soccer side, you know, bringing, bringing that historic collective bargaining agreement to the, to the table. Um, but absolutely, you know, I mean, the, the women that we see, you know, are just as similar with the men, probably unsurprisingly, have, are incredibly multidimensional and have so many interests, you know, and whether it's, whereas I feel like it used to also be, okay, I'll be a coach after, or maybe I'll be a broadcaster, and now it, the spectrum is just so much, so much more wide, and, and certainly such an interest in all types of media, but also all types of business and all types of investment. And I think probably one of the other big trends we see on the, the female PA and the female athlete side of things just is that interest in changing the world for the better. 
You know, so the WNBAPA uh, started really in the wobble, you know, uh, have, have taken a very, very active stance on social, social justice issues. Same things with the U.S. Women's National Team PA. They have a saying uh, among the U.S. Women's National Team soccer team, you know, we're not done. Just because we achieved pay equity, that's great. We're not done, you know, and so they're constantly advising and helping uh, other PAs around the globe to try to better conditions. And um, for those of you who follow the headlines, you start seeing, uh, seeing seeing a little bit more, a little bit more ink, you know, whether it's about Canada or Mexico or any of these other teams that are now fighting for uh, additional pay, additional benefits, just more humane treatment, to, to use a, a harsh-sounding harsh-sounding word. Um, but so many of these these women are are not only trying to you know make it better for themselves, but for for the world at large as well. In addition to just pursuing whatever they're in, maybe you know whether it's cooking. We'll go back to cooking. I know, uh, or anything anything else of that sort. Yeah, I think that's that's important. You know, I think um, cause-related marketing has become huge now. Consumers. They want to feel good about what they're buying and the brands they're interacting. And um, I know Hawk social justice is important to you too. And what is something that you would advise just, you know, for a company that's coming and saying, yeah, we're trying to do good and we would like for you to be the face of doing good. Like what should they do to really make that feel meaningful or what advice do you have? Um, yeah, that? I would say, um, Make sure something's actionable. I think, uh, you know, you see so many times people come out with a statement or, you know, they, they, they put something out that feels like sometimes that it's um, capitalizing or co-opting an opportunity. And again, I mean, this is not just for your own moral compass, but f fans feel that. Like, it, it actually does the reverse of what you're going after. So I would say something actionable that is truly something that you're committed to, to actually bringing forward. Um, I think a status pro, like early on we started the company, you know, I, obviously, as you know, I, I come from football. And so the beautiful part about football is that a locker room, you have every, you know, every background, every creed, every religion, every ethnic group that you can imagine. And it, we all come together for a common goal. And I think as Troy Jones and I started this company, as we were the first two, we sat in a room and we said, we want this to feel like a locker room. So. Um, we want to make sure everyone has a seat at the table. We want to make sure that for a tech company, this looks and feels even expanded beyond what a locker room looks like. That This is truly a place anybody can work. And I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is that so when we go out and we have our conversations about social impact or we put together initiatives, it won't feel like it's just lip service because if you look at our talent base, everybody truly does come from everywhere. Um, and that's just one of the ways that as a company you should put together those goals, put together those things that you care about, and whenever you do communicate them externally and they lift up the rug to see what's underneath, um, it'll actually have probably double the impact that you set out for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, Jasmine, kind of on the same vein, because I also know you came from some bigger brands, Under Armour, Peloton. What's advice that you would give just looking at that, uh, you know, trying to align the cause related and making it feel genuine? Yeah, I mean, being actionable is one thing, but also there has to be true value add. The language proceeds go to is um, table stakes and often not even true. We all know this. And people expect and will invest in a value exchange with a company if there is true meaning behind 
the value that's being exchanged. So a percentage of proceeds has been the default. It, I feel like that was our, our parents' generation. And now, you know, we don't even put, and we probably should put, that with the sale of every football, the athletes get paid, right? For the sale of every football, the artist gets paid. We take that for granted, but there is a creator economy. There is a sense of equal opportunity that even if you are a for-profit organization, that if you take consideration around, you can allow your community to feel like they're doing good by being a participant in what you're building, not being a consumer of what you're building. And so when the athletes come into the fold with round 21, we, from a social mission perspective, are really trying to do three things. One, we want the athlete's story to be told, and in many cases, they're monetizing their story, which is business of sports. Two, when Hawk's talking about the all races, creeds, backgrounds, religions, so, are, so is the fan base, right? Not just the players. And so we actively try to build the community of fans, the connection of fans together around being a Warriors fans, a Jets fan, et cetera, so that people feel like they're coming together, not just between the team and the fan, but between the fans together. And that has societal benefit, right? When 9-11 happened, all eyes were on George Bush throwing out the first pitch. Mm -hmm. Literally two days, three days later, someone checked my history on that, but the world came together around sports. And so for us, it's finding ways for the societal benefit at large, as well as the athlete and artist benefit specifically to be a part of what we build. And I think that helps build an ecosystem of value exchange that our community can be proud of. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I had, um an old boss who said sports is a unifier and it really it really is and and we're talking about you know that can be off the field too um, in the every activity that you're aligning with athletes in some way um, you talked a little bit about storytelling and I did I wanted to talk more about just the emergence of content and tech and kind of like what's next like what should we be thinking about more than you know we know this authenticity exists we've got this access piece figured out um, but Lindsay I'll start with you in your opinion uh, how has the landscape of athlete content evolved and what trends do you see emerging in the sector yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, uh, as we hit on, certainly athletes owning the conversation and being able to uh, share their narrative exactly as they want to when they when they want to. I think really that next step that we haven't fully unlocked because generally that's happening on a social media platform that they don't own. So the, the next step to me is that ownership, kind of as Jasmine as Jasmine touched on. So how do how do they continue to own that that platform? And maybe does that does that mean the conversation migrates away from the big social platforms onto another platform? I know. There's a few companies that are trying to trying to figure that out, and it's hard because obviously we're all still on the traditional traditional social platforms. But does something evolve uh, where athletes can have even more more ownership? And that, to me, I think is is what's next. You know, particularly as in the the uh, face of NIL and everything that, that, that's happening now on the collegiate front, obviously that's only going to continue. We started to see it with NFTs in the blockchain, and and. Goodness knows that's a. I'm sure there. I don't know how many panels at South by Southwest are covering that right now. We don't need to cover it. You know, that's changed changed things up a little bit. But that concept of owning it, and and certainly where where we sit, it's so important that the athletes get paid for their name, image, and likeness, and for their contributions uh, uh, off the field. So to me, that's where it's going. Is is how do we 
how, do, how does that creator economy continue to spill over to athletes and have them even take a greater ownership interest in uh, post-game press conferences or any of the, any of the sort? Yep. Awesome. Um, Jasmine, you have a great example, and we'll pull it up on the screen, of just connecting fans in the physical and digital world. Um, what are some key considerations that you think companies should keep in mind when uh, creating content that features athletes? Yeah, so, I mean, it first starts with who we are, and I know we don't have time to go into who Round 21 is, but we've been called the Etsy of sports, which is, it's, it's true to a point. I mean, we stand with creators. We build new collectibles, wearables, and playables in partnership with artists and athletes. But we are also an expanded media brand. So this example here with the purchase of the physical collectible, the new collector got an AR experience where the art came alive and they got a claimable NFT. Claimable NFT. So this was in January of 22. And we are Web3 native and we are, we do leverage tokens for access and status. That's how we use it. We don't sell the NFT, but if you own one from us, it's access to special edition goods and it's status. Hopefully you feel cool, you're a part of round 21. Um, and so for us, we enabled the collector to have a new experience beyond the physical with our product. And now, in talking to Jenna, if you'll go to the next slide, um, what we wanted to do, sorry, pardon, this is like a TV timeout really quickly. <laughs> you have another slide? Um, we actually wanted to give people in the audience, but Hawk's going to throw this to a couple of you guys, so just... <laughs> I got volunteer for you. All right. All right. Which, one, which side are you going to? I'm going left, just because right. I know. Oh Am I going to really go? Man. I don't know. Hit <laughs> don't hit the chandelier. <laughs> I'm going to go eyes closed. Do we need a disclaimer? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh. Hey. Awesome. Um, it worked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for those who just are now owners of the Round 21 collectible, the NFLPA uh, collector edition football, you'll notice that it's made with Japanese microfiber, like a great hand feel. The art is amazing. In addition, there's an Instagram filter which brings the art to life. And then we are, in honor of number 15, bringing home the hardware for the Chiefs this year. We are going to gift 15. 15. 15. Uh, Mahomes footballs. So if you guys want to grab this QR code or go to that link, you can even take a picture of this slide. And the reason we're doing this is obviously fan engagement, so you're waking back up, which is great, but also to give you guys a sense of, for round 21, the physical is actually the beginning of the next experience. That's how we think about our product and our business, is that every time we connect with anybody, a fan, a team, a league, a player, a partner, we're actually building roots in what will be the next experience. And so hopefully you'll feel this when, when you guys get it. And then the last slide really quickly is a lot of people take physical goods, a marketplace, again, I don't know anything about you guys, and they stop there. When today's modern community, and I say community because we don't talk about consumers, expects and deserves an experience. And so we're actually doing an experience right after this. You guys are all welcome. It's very simple. You tap an NFC chip. You register, you get a physical basketball, one of these that represents your city. You make it, you take it. We give you access to the physical, right? And so for us, it's a good example of the physical product that was just thrown into the um, audience, the opportunity to engage 
through the QR code, and obviously that's kind of business as usual, and then an experience. So that is how I would answer your question, is that brands today are actually media brands. They just decide on how deep and how wide to go related to media and connection with their community. Thank you for that. Um, and thanks for the prize element of this panel. <laughs> uh, so, Hawk, you know, you're in the tech world now, right? Um, so, what emerging technologies are you most excited about in terms of their potential to bring athletes and uh, brands together? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, XR, virtual reality and augmented reality. Obviously, it's a space that we operate in, right? So, there goes my shameless plug. Um, <laughs> But uh, to Jasmine's point, it, it, it is the opportunity, right? Because again, as sports fans, I mean, I'm five foot seven. So as you would imagine, I spent my whole life wanting to play in the NFL, but most people didn't think that that was a possibility, right? And so I felt like I was always going to be on the outside looking in. And once I was able to make it to the NFL, people would ask me like, oh, what's it like? And I would say, it's as cool as it looks, right? <laughs> and so for all the fans who also have that same dream, who follow all their same teams, what we're creating over at Status Pro is for that opportunity to be real life. And the digital and augmented and virtual reality is what makes that possible. Because of the immersion, when you play our game, which is called NFL Pro Era, and you can get on any VR platform, you feel like you are on the field. And while you know we're all used to sports gaming, we've played all sports games, you understand them, we also call ourselves an experience company because it's all the little details that makes it special. The sights, the sounds, everything you hear, running out of a tunnel, of your favorite NFL stadium where the crowd goes crazy. Those are insights that came from our actual talent base and from the actual players that we partner with um, that now every fan gets to experience. And so when you guys talk about what's coming next, it's gonna be more and more ways that those opportunities are there. It's not gonna be um, uh, novice, it's not gonna be niche anymore. It's going to be like, I expect to be able to experience this. And technology, the same way it unlocked us to be able to watch every game from our homes, now you'll be able to unlock what it feels like to be on the field, to be on the court, and there's just, as technology continues to grow, more and more ways that fans can get that last level of access that for thousands of years we've always wanted. I will say it's not just fans that like playing the game. Um, they were at our rookie premiere event, and the rookies were there trying on the headsets and playing the game, and the thing that cracked me up the most when they were playing this game is the guys who were not the quarterbacks who were playing the quarterback <laughs> yeah. position, and were like, there were some of them that were like, man, I got drafted in the wrong position. I am an awesome quarterback. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. So um, it truly is that next level immersive experience, and you feel like you are there, but it was, it was fun to watch. That's why I'm always scared to try them because I'm like, who's watching me? <laughs> um, well, I just want to wrap it up with uh, just kind of a wish list question for you guys, and then we'll open it up to the audience for some questions. So um, just describe your, your dream collaboration with an athlete. What would be one that you'd be really, or just one that you'd be excited to see come to life in the future? Um, Lindsay, do you want to start? Yeah, you know, the um, collaboration I'm waiting to see is a brand who decides to collaborate with all 144 of the WNBA players. So they refer to themselves as, as the 144. Um, this was really uh, probably no more evident than when Brittany Griner was wrongfully detained in, in Russia, and they came together to support her and, and certainly to try to, to bring her back. But they're such a force, you know, and so yes, we all think of the, the, the women's basketball players that we know by name, the 
the recently retired Sue Birds and the Diana Taurasi's, but for a brand to come in and say, nope, I want all 144 to get behind whatever I'm doing, like it would just be a, a force of nature. And so that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to. I would say less like brand or like player specific, but I, I think the collaboration between sports fans um, and the actual athletes. Like in our, in our company, we say we're democratizing what it's like to be a professional athlete. Um, and the beauty of it is we have, to your point, Jenna, uh, people who are better VR quarterbacks than actual quarterbacks would be in our game. And we've always envisioned this place where, again, now that we've taken out the element of, you know, physical tools or, you know, how big or fast or strong you need to be, creating this ecosystem where everybody is equal playing field through sport. Um, so hopefully we'll, we, will, we will get there um, as technology continues to advance. That's great. So for us, I think we talk about being in year two of our 100-year plan, and I say that because it's a great motivator, <laughs> but it's also like don't, don't sweat the small stuff and keep going. And for us, it's the longitudinal relationship with a potential athlete, and we actually have a potential case study of this last year. Kayvon Thibodeau went number five in the NFL draft. He went to a big market, um, the New York Giants, and he played, and he played well. And we launched a rookie collectible, which was a physical football, in partnership with Charlie Palmer, who is a two-time Time Magazine cover artist. And it came with a physical and a token. And you know, round 21, again, our business is physical goods. That's how we monetize and, and experiences. But we, again, have this token part of our business. To be able to take the fans, the handful, it wasn't a big drop, that believed in him in 2022 and then hopefully his career grows into what could be like a Brady, a J.J. Watt, like these icons who've been just who they are through their game the whole way. To be able to do that at scale would be incredible because people talk about NIL like it's I don't know, like it's a thing, like it's a disease or it's like a, a new car, you know? It isn't, it's a journey. And so it gives us a real, it, it's, it's, we're actually partners with this um, player, Liv Harness, who's 13, and she says, I want to be the first woman to play in the NBA. And she got a lot of heat, actually, from WNBA players. Mm -hmm. They're like, you, want, you know, but what if? Yeah. And that goes back to the original idea of the impossible. Mm -hmm. And so that longitudinal relationship is like super exciting to us. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here. Um, I want to make sure to open it up, save time for questions. If anybody has any, there's this nice mic in the middle of the room. Um, but yeah, that's funny. NIL is a disease. Well, no, <laughs> that's I not what you meant. But it's, it's a label. No, I know it's, it's something that it's yeah. No, I know exactly. Yeah, it's. <laughs> But you're right, like there is this um, opportunity and, and we even see that I think on um, the players association sides that, you know, building those relationships earlier just so they understand, um, but it's nice that they're getting these opportunities now. So, um, yes, sir. Hi. My Hi. Name's Brian. I work for the, uh, the Eagles, actually. Mm -hmm. And I have a question regarding individual uh, players and their relationship with the club and how that importance is in terms of brand building, content strategy, how it conflicts sometimes, you know, as you build your own individual brand, it sometimes pulls it away from the club. 
the average NFL players with the team, I happen to run our Legends community, so 65% of the players play one to three years with the club, so it's pretty high turnover. You know, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, they have the New Heights Prop Podcast. Jason Kelsey just announced he's coming back to the Eagles through his own platforms, mm -hmm. not through the club. So as these brands are evolving on individual levels, you know, where is the partnership, the cohesiveness between club, athlete, and where that splits off eventually as they go into their own? Yeah. I'd be curious. I, I'll, I'll give my perspective here. I, I think that's a great question, and I think um, similarly to what we talked about, whether we like it or not, this is, this is where you know, sports media is going, right? They want to hear directly from, from Jason Kelsey, and Jason Kelsey wants to now own his own story in that way, and I think there is a way for, you know, in that example, the Eagles also benefit from that, right? Like where potentially, or, you know, typically it's like, oh, that comes through either ESPN or NFL Network, or maybe sometimes the, the, the team beats it there, but that's a good example of the team is usually the last people to, get, to give that news. It goes everywhere else. Now it's an understanding just of the equation of um, information. Now the player part in there and that flow still helps the team. It still helps someone be excited that Jason Kelsey is going to come back to the Eagles after an incredible run that he's had in his career. And it's also just the, in the spirit of collaboration. Like us at Status Pro, we wouldn't be in the position we are in without the NFLPA, without the players. Similarly, we wouldn't be in the position we're in without the league side. And while there is sometimes competing interests, I think the beauty of where we sit between those two entities is that as a company, we have a spirit of collaboration. The one plus one equals three. Like if everybody comes in this with the right perspective, everybody can win. And I think that to your point, as this you know, media landscape goes forward and there is competing interest between the player and the team side, it's the same spirit. The one plus one equal three. We all want to drive the sport. We all want to drive eyeballs. We all want to drive more and more people engaging in all the opportunities and ways that they can stay always on in the game of football. So that's just my perspective. I'd like to address your question, too. Um, so first of all, Brian, congratulations on an awesome season. Let's not not say that. Yeah. Amazing. You gave fans and non-fans like another impossible. Like it was. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think it comes down to the new definition of franchise value. So franchise value for so long was, put the league aside, was the team maximizing every dollar through corporate sponsorships, butts in seats, and media rights, right? Today, I, I believe franchise value is what happens in arena. None of that went away but there's only so many seats in an arena. You can actually only monetize butts and seats to a point. It's fixed, it's math. Media rights, similarly, although now with Twitch and YouTube, there is like this expansive universe. But imagine if the players get new microphones. That is actually adding franchise value. And then it's this communal relationship between people in Philadelphia who love football that could add franchise value. Mm -hmm. Eagles can be an enabler, an empowerer of that, but the, I think there is a moment where the hierarchy of the fan, the athlete, and the team shifts depending on where the moment, the time, the in-season, off-season, pre-season, that all compound to actually the franchise value. At the end of the day, Kelsey's success still is tied to 
the franchise value, but it's about the dialing of when the player, the team, and the fan are, are prioritized. Mm -hmm. That is a bit of art and less science that is new for a lot of people. And that's how round 21, I mean, we are working with blessed, super blessed, with the Knicks, the NBA, the NFLPA, Coinbase, Budweiser, we're talking to other teams in the NBA, and they call us the glue. It's like an interesting definition. They're like, you know how to engage fans in a way that like, we just can't, because Facebook and Twitter we can give money to and they can reach people, but engaging fans through like this new cultural language is something. So right now it's work, it's good for us, but eventually I believe the franchises are gonna need to understand how to build this yeah. themselves. And I, and I love what you guys do because you're, you're storytelling yeah. in a different way. And again, to, to drill into that, a sports fan being engaged more is a good thing for everyone, right? And it also tells a complete story. A, a, an example, I remember I, maybe my third year, I got, a, um, I got tagged in free agency because um, I was like a restricted, but I was exclusive rights. And that's like the worst tag you can get, right? <laughs> it basically means like you're locked in for league minimum and you can't go get any extra money. But because it was, comes from one side of, oh, Andrew Hawkins signs exclusive tag, everyone was calling me saying congratulations, mm. right? Well, if I had the New Heights podcast, I could say, hey, this isn't something I'm excited about. And regardless of what it is, you still now get the full picture. And, You've now engaged in football in the news a little longer, and now you create more conversation, which again, that's what drives fandom. The round 21s, the status pros, the one team and the player side, the way that they give that perspective just adds to that equation. Again, just builds deeper fandom, which is ultimately, I think, what we all want. I think it also, you know, nothing's precluding the teams, you know, so it's going to sort of force the, the rising of all tides. And uh, before one team, I worked at Fox Sports. I know there's a few, a few of you in the audience today. Um, and we would so often want to break that news, you know, uh, but we had to fight for it. Like, because uh, there were a lot of other options. And so now there are so many other options. So I'll be real curious to see if teams can find a way to differentiate enough that, no, this is what the, cl the club can do to help you get that news out. And can it be more beneficial? Or can it speak to a community or, or fandom in a way that your own platform can't? You know, and right now, it, when players don't own their social, but they do own their following and can monetize you know, based on their, you know, we're getting married off of Instagram again, you know, you wanna, <laughs> so you wanna get those numbers, numbers up. Um, so right now, there's certainly the benefit too, but maybe that shifts. And I'd be really interested to watch clubs try to continue to, to lobby for those announcements and what, what do you do to add value to the player to make them uh, think, think twice about just posting it on Twitter or in their own podcast. Hi, so my name is Brianna. I'm a junior at UT Austin, Hook'em Horns, uh, <laughs> studying marketing. Horns up. Sooner, <laughs> sooner, sooner. <laughs> I realized that my passion lies in the sports industry. For me, I played sports my entire life. The rush of the game, the thrill, really just motivates me. So I would love to dedicate myself to a career where I can kind of give that back to the community. Everyone's bonding, like create an amazing experience for the fans, family, get everyone together. But I feel like it's kind of hard to navigate myself in an industry where I haven't really had exposure. So upon graduation, I don't really know where to go. So like, I was just asking for advice or what you guys would recommend on tips on how to even get started on that. <laughs> I'll start. 
you work at or you go to a school that has an amazing athletic department so if you're not already interning or volunteering go uh, meet them because mm -hmm. they also know everybody around there and so that's such a great experience you said you're a junior right yeah so you've got another year and a half to try to get as much experience you know in uh, uh, in college athletics I I know a few people in here including myself that's where we started and so from there you can kind of branch out that and go into sales. Sports is all about sales. That's all I got. <laughs> Did you say go into sales? Yeah. Sales. I would say don't ask permission and grab your phone. And if you don't feel comfortable face to camera, become the producer of someone who does in your dorm room about what's happening on UT's campus around athletics. And just TikTok, pick a channel, pick your own like YouTube shorts, whatever, because the you are the translator to the youth that a lot of institutions, including your internship program, need. And you could brand yourself as that. I actually told that to someone at Davidson yesterday who was out here, and they're like, oh, that's good. But you guys are. You are the translator to the youth. And you can prove it by the tool in your hand and your own access. And she's right. You're at a great school where the content is there. It's just the story that needs to be told. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm the worst case study on how to get into sports because I went to school for theater. Um, but <laughs> I did find something that I loved to do, and I loved to storytell, and I loved marketing, and I thought I was going to do arts marketing, but I fell into sports because they needed someone to do marketing for the NFLPA. And so sometimes it's a little bit of both. Like, it's, it's you find the thing you love to do and connect it to something else that you love to do as well. Um, but I'm just so impressed with you asking the question, that's like the first step. And the, we were just talking about this earlier, I, your generation is just so more, much more tuned into getting those opportunities, getting those internships, so look for them. We've got an internship program at the NFLPA. Go on the website, it, the application's just open. See if there's an opportunity. Um, you know, Write the essay, write the cover letter, do the work, but just apply to all the opportunities, so. Good yeah. luck. I was going to say the exact same thing. Use, use the talents that you know you're good at right now. And because in sports, it does not matter. They're necessary and they're needed. Um, my first job, essentially, when I retired was in media. And I still do media, obviously. Um, my former boss is here. And there was opportunities there to you know, be more on the, the desk and be you know, an analyst this way. But that wasn't my personality. I was a social media. I was a clown. I like to do funny things. And, there was a, a sports property called Sports Center on Snapchat, which was talking to younger fans that I could, you know, be more of myself in. And if anything, if you make yourself the value proposition, not only will it create opportunities, it'll give you real staying power. So that would be my advice to you. Figure out the thing that you're good at amongst your friends, amongst your classmates, amongst your cohort, that you do better than everybody else and make that the value proposition and just continue to build on that because you'll create a moat around your offering in sports that it's only a matter of time that they can't deny it, but only so long. So okay. thank you all so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, I think we're at time. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Jasmine, Hawk, Rosie.